what's up everybody this is harrison rawson and i have alex funk with me together we are the left lane zoomers and um this is going to be our first full episode that we're going to post on anchor fm and hopefully that can be like distributed to spotify as well as some other places because i think that's what anchor fm does i'm not quite sure but i'm excited to see what this allows us to do and like uh what it'll do for our reach um but yeah, we're, we're going to put like segments of like little shorter segments out of this podcast um, on YouTube as per the usual. But um, yeah, I figured, um, what should we start talking about? Um, I mean, we could just jump right into the Matt Gates stuff. I mean, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to, we'll probably get to some more substantive things later on. But like, yeah, let's talk about this Matt Gates thing. And it especially gives new context to him being the only person in Congress who voted against an anti-human trafficking bill. But basically, yeah, like this kind of gave me like a new idea of what like human trafficking necessarily like was because, you know, like how Kalinsky said, and I, like I agreed with him that um, when I envision uh, human trafficking, um, like I think of like, you know, groups of kids with like, kids with like duct tape over their mouths being like shipped across places like completely against their will to the point like it's like pretty much slavery but like apparently like maybe like dating a minor and then like transporting her across state lines like just simply doing that also counts as human trafficking but um but yeah like matt gates is under investigation for human trafficking he allegedly had a uh, had had an or has a relationship with a 17 year old girl and uh uh, like it's kind of it's kind of weird and he's eight i feel like we should say how old is he he's 38 he's 38 38 okay let's see like not really anything ambiguous about the situation yeah and he's and like he's been like completely uh in denial of these allegations like he, he doesn't even try to pull the smart trick where it's like hey she didn't show me id i didn't know she was underage i don't know i feel like he seems like yeah. the kind of person who would try to obfuscate like that but i don't know it's also weird because like on on the one hand he denies you know this he says i i don't have a relationship with a 17 year old pretty straight up but then like when he went on carlson he basically acknowledged that like he took a friend implying that she was young to dinner with him. And then he also let it slip that like, it's not illegal to pay travel expenses for someone whom you're dating. So yeah, I don't know what his strategy here is. (laughs) Yeah. And like, and yeah, like it seemed like in that interview, he was trying to bring Tucker down with him. Like we were discussing like right before we started recording, Mm -hmm. Um, like, or like Matt Gates was like, hey, remember that dinner party? Or like, hey, remember when you were accused of dating a minor, you know, way back when? And then and like afterwards, like what like Tucker kind of did like a post interview thing where he was kind of like, yeah, that was the weirdest interview I did. Yep. Like, did you and see he that basically part? implied that he was going to keep uh, an eye on this story even more now because of that? Because he's pissed off. <laughs> well, yeah, cool. that, would, that would be great. It's almost like Matt Gates has gotten well, he already had the Democrats against him. Now he's getting the Republicans against him, too. Yeah. See how he's going to get out of this, to be honest. Like, he might not get prison time or something, but I think his career is probably done. Yeah. If, like, a few of his aides have already resigned, I think. 
and um i don't know and and it was kind of weird beforehand because even before like the story broke um he was considering you know leaving midterm uh leaving congress midterm to like go get a like a get a time slot on newsmax or something like that which is weird like i can imagine him retiring like at the end of his term and then going but yeah leaving midterm to go go to newsmax is a is a bit of a weird move is there money to be made at newsmax i mean it was well, yeah like the uh, newsmax and one american news network is now like super popular Shit. with like especially like the trumpies who got super pissed at fox for calling it for for biden well, and like they called it earlier than some of the networks, like the other networks, like they called like them as well as like the Associated Press called Arizona early yep. uh, for Biden. And, you know, that really pissed off like that alone pissed off a lot of Trumpies. And yeah, I mean, they'll hire yeah. him at Newsmax, I'm sure. Yeah. And like I remember when they were doing like these stop the steal riots, like as they were counting the votes, like right. not some not the one in it on january 6th, those chants but. like uh simultaneous chants stop the count and count the votes as they were counting the votes yeah yeah like those ones uh like like there was a guy going around asking different people he's like okay what's your view on fox news now that they've called it for biden and it's like you know like oh fox news is all slanted liberals except maybe tucker carlson and hannity but the rest is just slant the rest are just slanted liberals right and it's like christ like these people have really drunk the Kool-Aid and you know, like, and Mike Lindell as well, like the, my pillow guy, as we also mentioned, he was on uh, Steve Bannon's podcast and um, he was talking about like all of the evidence he was gathering up, like he's leading his own investigation supposedly. Right. Is he, and, um, is he, I don't think he's a lawyer. Hmm? Is he a lawyer? Does he have like any degree at all? In this he's just he's just the my pillow guy yeah you know, like what he's is, super like, uber religious like he was the kind of he's the kind of guy who's like president trump was chosen by god and he was chosen by god for two terms so how is he even gonna like file a suit like how how like, i don't know like like well that's the whole thing he's just crazy but like i was saying like as we mentioned before, also mentioned before we started recording um he was on like steve bannon's podcast and talking about all this evidence he was uh gathering up and Steve Bannon uh, cut like was kind of like, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah. And like I said, if, if Steve Bannon is cutting you off and calling you and like kind of implying that you're crazy, then there's definitely something wrong with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Steve Bannon, I don't know that he's crazy. He's evil, certainly. But like, yeah, that, that was too much even for him, which is <laughs> I mean, just like, just keep in mind, everything Donald Trump did was just fine for Steve Bannon. <laughs> yeah. This rant from the MyPillow guy was a bit much. Yeah. And not to mention Steve Bannon is like a legit criminal that yeah, and like right. Trump, Trump pardoned him for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But like, but yeah, like Steve Bannon, if you, if you can recall, like he was trying to do like a private fundraiser to build the wall privately instead of using government funds. Um. And then later they found out that only a small portion of that was actually going towards building the wall. And he was using a lot of it for his own private expenses, which is fraud. And then he got arrested for that. And I think we even talked about it when it happened on this show. Um, but um, 
and uh, speaking of other like stop the steal morons, Sydney Powell. Um, so like she was the kind of person who was like up there saying like, oh, it's all a, it's it's all a scam from Dominion and Venezuela, and like the socialists are trying to steal the election for Biden, like. Like, first of all, like that's that's stupid for obvious reasons. But even if like that was possible, I doubt Maduro, who like Biden actively dislikes and is trying to get rid of him with Guaido, who is a fascist, you know, like like I don't think Maduro would want either Trump or Biden in office. So like I think he would like if anything, he would have like interfered in the election to get Bernie elected. Or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, the Venezuela talking points are just getting lazier and lazier. It's just like it just means socialism at this point, the way they're using it. Yeah. And we can talk about that uh, later. But uh, but what I was saying about Sidney Powell is that uh, she's basically been sued and she's trying to defend herself by saying all of those things I said about Dominion and Venezuela. No reasonable person, reasonable person would have said that. So like she's basically trying to like fend off like defamation suits by saying no reasonable person would say or believe this and like i guess <laughs> they're kind of right but we got a lot of unreasonable people in this country i guess yeah yeah we like what is it like 30 percent of people still think trump won the election maybe a little less than that or, or maybe like third well like his approval rating like right before he left was like in the in like below 30 like it was like george bush yeah level. And, like, there's plenty of people who, like, still, like, approve of him, but don't think that he won the election. But so I think, like, the, I think the number is a little bit lower than that. Mm-hmm. I hope but, so. Yeah. But either way, like, the, the conspiracy of the stolen election is here to stay, sadly. You know, once one person, like, once it catches hold, like, there's always going to be at least a few people who believe it. And that's the crazy thing about... Uh, weird beliefs like i'm pretty sure like any like weird ass belief you can come up with right now chances are at least one person actually believes it yeah the moon is made of cheese yeah i bet there's at least one person who believes that yeah and that's the thing about the internet you can connect with people who believe in your crazy stuff to validate your crazy stuff but um but yeah let's um I guess let's talk about the Venezuela shit. I don't know. Like it's, it's not a super hot button topic right now, but it's basically like, damn, like, yeah. And like, we've had this debate, like um, in our group chat, like we have James, like who's saying like, he, like he's saying that, you know, Maduro's a dictator. He stole the election in Venezuela. It's like, as whether or not that's true, I guess it's still up for debate, I guess. I but, think it's, I think, I don't know. I think it's pretty possible. But like, even then, like, I, I mean, Guaido's a fascist too. So like, yeah, like if, if we side with Guaido, we'd be stuck with a fascist. And like, that would argue that would, I, I definitely think, you know, Guaido would take Venezuela to an even worse place than Maduro has it right now. And then, and like, that's kind of like a whole thing with like a lot of these socialist experiments that have taken taken place across the world within the last century, you know, as bad or good as they are, no matter like how, like, yeah, no matter how good or bad they are, they're usually better than what comes before. And in a lot of cases, what comes after once the U S has to intervene, you know, like uh, Fidel's Castro, Fidel Castro's Cuba was better than Batista's Cuba because like Batista was like a U S backed dictator or, you know, 
Russia now is worse than it was under the Soviet Union. And you can say that the Soviet Union is bad, but you know, Russia today is still very, very bad. And then even, and, and then it also goes to this, the other thing about like the Venezuela uh, discussion is, you know, it's really not our place to install people just like, you know, just because of like a very unverifiable claim. Right. And you would expect if Maduro had stolen the election, you'd expect Guaido to like be able to rally the support of the people very easily in order to claim his office. But he's yeah. had a really tough time getting any support. So well, yeah, like he has some support, but that yeah, like, yeah, like he has crowds, just like you know Trump has crowds. But then again, like who still likes Trump? Like maybe thirty percent of the people, right? Right. It. it I don't know. I I don't know if the election was stolen or not. But it but doesn't he, really look like it. It doesn't look like there's any evidence for it. Yeah. And even then, like, I think the whole idea about, like, whether or not uh, the Venezuelan elections have been, like, stolen in favor of Maduro, I think that's irrelevant, given that it's, like, again, it's not our place to tell Venezuela who their leader should be. Right. No, yeah. We that's, can have that's an opinion. We very point. much can yeah. have an opinion. Everyone can have an opinion, but we can't really act on that opinion since we are not Venezuela. And yeah. On top of that, you well, know, like we're saying, every time we intervene somewhere, especially in South America, it gets worse every time. Yeah. Sometimes in like almost every single country in South America, I think, except for some up north. Yeah. And then I also forgot to mention, yeah, like Libya, like Gaddafi. Like you yeah, can't say right. Gaddafi was good or bad, like whatever. But you can't argue that Libya is now pretty much is a lot worse than it was under Gaddafi. Like slavery is now a thing in Libya where it wasn't like under Gaddafi. And then another thing, a lot of people using like Venezuela as like a scapegoat for like, you know, why social or like not maybe not a scapegoat. That's probably not the right term, but like as like an example of why like socialism or left wing politics in general is is not the way to go and why they suck. Right. And I had someone try to tell me the other day that Marxism is inherently flawed. And when I asked him for the inherent flaw, he said, well, the Soviet Union failed, China failed, Venezuela failed. That's not, that's a historical argument. That's not pointing to anything inherent. But I think people have like this yeah. view of socialism as just like something that's been tried and being tried and it isn't working. But no. yeah. And you're also missing a whole, like socialism has been tried more than just like those countries as well. Right. And, also, and the way it's being done in those countries yeah. isn't very Marxist. None of them were industrialized before they tried to become socialist. Yeah. And even like saying the phrase communist country, communist country is a oxymoron in itself because communism in theory is supposed to be stateless and moneyless and borderless and all of those things. Whereas like you can't, yeah, you can't have a communist country. You can have a socialist country. Right. Uh, but yeah, not, not a fully communist country. And also just saying that a, like saying that a failed state that happens to claim that it's socialist, you know, basically saying, that basically just leads people saying, oh, well, like, yeah, it's failed because of socialism, but that just completely ignores all the other factors in play, like take Venezuela. North Korea example. failed because it's North Korea failed because it's a people's democratic republic. Yeah. And like, yeah, like they claim to be communist as well. China claims to be communist, even though they're, they have like free markets there all over the place. And then like the thing is, the, like, Nazis, Venezuela, called the Nazis called themselves socialist. Oh, yeah, like, and that was like a marketing. You privatized like much. all the industry. Yeah, in fact, I think like the term privatization was actually coined by Hitler. 
Like I, I think, yeah. I mean, like we we don't we definitely use it in a much better context nowadays. But um, but like uh, Venezuela, the reason why it's failing is for, like for for a couple of reasons. A sanctions by the U.S. Which really only like the, the thing is about sanctions, like it's supposed to like force a country to do like to not do bad things anymore or whatever. But like in reality, what it's doing is it's just hurting the people, you know, like that's what sanction that's and like, you know, you see the U.S. The idea, the idea like Iran be, as well, right. like they're sanctioning med- medicine in Iran. Right. The idea, I think, is to try and put pressure on the politics from inside from the people yeah, but yeah. those countries that we sh- that we sanction they don't tend to listen to the people anyway so it doesn't yeah. have anything and yeah and the other thing is like the, this is the real reason why venezuela went under in the first place and this could have been like what led to the sanctions because u.s either is like under the impression or they're just being dishonest is like see the reason why venezuela is economically down under is because of the leadership Whereas, like, it's mostly because of the fact that Venezuela relied its entire economy on, like, the or the entire economy of Venezuela relied on its oil exports. And as long as they, um, you know, kept oil prices up, they were going to be fine. But, like, after Chavez had died, they, they plummeted. And that pretty much just led their economy into the shitter. So it was not so much, it wasn't socialism, it was the lack in diversification uh, yeah, or lack of lack of diversity in their economy. Right, the term and, there is banana republic. Yeah, it's a fun term. Yeah, <laughs> and then like on top, well, like I tried to explain that to someone who is um, who is saying then you know like um, Venezuela, like Venezuela's example of why left wing economics suck. And then I explained to him about the oil exports, and then he says, well, like it was the government's decision to do that, and that was basically him implying that socialism is when the government <laughs> does stuff. Right, that's just a meme now. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a meme. Like, it's a it's an amazing Richard Wolf clip, basically. You know, great, saying yeah. like, yeah, all these people are like saying, yeah, it's socialism when the government owns a few things and controls a few things, and like, basically, basically saying this is a joke on Marx because Marx really had no interest in the state, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, like the more the more stuff it does, the more socialist it is, and if it does a whole lot of stuff, that's communism. <laughs> Or like if it owns everything, that's communism. That's pretty much the extent of the analysis that they give, typically. I mean, yeah. And as we explained before, communism it's just in like, its full realization is stateless and classless. Yeah. Because like there are plenty of like communists and like anarcho-communists who believe that the very existence of a state is oppressive. It's also taught in schools, or it's taught to me in civics that socialism is like communism but less. Or like a stepping stone to communism. Well, which, like in, in a way it is, is, but not in the way that they and not but not in the way that they think it is. Right. You need to like present some more theory in order to make that make sense. Because <laughs> yeah. it just sort of sounds like a middle ground position. Well, yeah. Well, like Marx and Engels like describe socialism as basically kind of like the transition between a capitalist state to a communist mm-hmm. society. And that's pretty much like and so like that, that is the fact, but it's not in the way that they think it is in which it's, right. just bas- it's basically the transition of like giving the means of production uh, to the workers. And like, and after a while, the state becomes like obsolete and just kind of withers away. 
Right. I mean, of course, the term socialism, as well as communism and Marxism, have been developed a lot since Marx. So they mean things, yeah. you know, slightly different or, or have, that have been elaborated upon since Marx. But the way that Marx described it, if someone were to call themselves a socialist, I mean, that would sort of be nonsensical. They would be a communist if they called themselves a socialist. Yeah. Now, of course, it's different. Well, yeah. Well, like there's this there was this kind of thing I ran into about um, the idea that, you know, saying that you're a socialist and not a not a communist is silly. Um, I guess and like in, in a, maybe in a certain sense it is, but like, I don't know. Like the way I see it, it's like, I guess it's just because like my human brain cannot comprehend what a, like a communist society would look like being that like a yeah. stateless society would look like. So like, I choose to just call myself a socialist, like, because yeah, um, like it's. Well, communism, like the way Marx used the word communism was like to describe a specific political party in Germany or to describe the ideology or the beliefs of a specific communist party in Germany. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, don't know. I feel like we should probably just stop using the word communist, start saying Marxist or socialist or something. Well, yeah, I think like, you know, socialism, and communism pretty much just fall under like Marxist. And that's why, like, I've mostly just been calling myself like a, a Marxist. But like if I had to choose between like a communist label or a socialist label, I usually can I usually go to socialism. Not because like, I'm not yeah. in favor of not because like I'm not in favor of like a stateless society. It's just like I don't know what that would look like. So I can't really talk about it like as that i can only know that like that's what it would be i just don't know what it would look like if that makes sense i don't know yeah it's tough to tell because it would be so far in the future with the world yeah. globally connected and, and networked as it is yeah and um yeah i mean we would need like i mean it looks like you would need a little autonomous communities to make a stateless society work maybe there's another solution yeah and like, and, and that's the thing that Richard Wolf was talking about. And like, um, I think it was a debate, um, basically saying that, you know, socialism, like, or like the concept of socialism has evolved uh, quite a bit within the last couple centuries, as you were mentioning before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we have, and like, there's the idea of like, maybe having a capitalist, you know, like, or like a liberal democracy, but like, we would have, you know, like worker owned co-ops or something like that. Yeah, another big problem that I, like, I think people like realize it, but it doesn't click exactly. Like it, it's okay to have a government under like a communist society, it's just the state that they're against. This is like a subtle distinction. But, like it, it's tough to tell in America because our government is basically just kind of stacked with lawyers and judges. Um, but like what separates them is that the state has a monopoly of violence, right? Mm-hmm. Theoretically, theoretically, you could have like an autonomous community that that has like, you know, a board of representatives that you might call a government that, you know, enacts legislation and performs justice, but it's full of common people um, mm-hmm. that set it apart. Where so in America, like the, what we call the government is just a bunch of lawyers, basically. Yeah. Or like sort of like the anarcho-syndicalist commune yeah, in yeah. Uh, Monty Python. Like in which like he decided like he talked about, you know, like every like every week we would have someone who would be like the leader and who would make decisions and like Mm -hmm. who would like propose decisions. And then, you know, like for internal affairs, like it would be a simple majority for external affairs would be a two thirds um, majority. And so like, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? 
more or less. Yeah, yeah. Like in theory, you can have a constitution and a government and stuff in a communist or an anarchist or socialist society, whatever we want to call it. Um, it's just sort of hard to see that distinction between state and government in America because they're kind of used interchangeably. Yeah. And again, here's another thing. Then this like blew my mind when I first heard it. Like, so like I was like, I identified as like a social Democrat until like uh, later last year. And, you know, like I, I joined my local chap, you know, like my university chapter of YDSA, like as a social Democrat initially, because I like, I was kind of like stuck between the young Dems and YDSA because like, I, like I was still like, like certain people who like identified as Democrats. And like, I was thinking, you know, like, Oh, maybe I could move this democratic or like the young Democrats to the left, which is like sort of what I was kind of trying to do yeah. with like the young Dems at, at high in high school. But then just kind of like looking to my experience with that and like how little luck I had, I had, especially with, you know, the nomination of Joe Biden. And then, you know, since like this was, and then like last fall was like the, like, you know, it was, it was the home stretch of the election season. So I figured I wouldn't have any luck in trying to like provide a more leftist voice to the young Dems. I just decided to join YDSA, but I did it as a, a social Democrat. And then over time, you know, I actually like evolved into a Marxist because I, I would hear a lot of these things that pretty much kept me from identifying as a Marxist pretty much being debunked. Like the idea of like the, the, uh, the the ab abolition of private property I would think is like okay yeah like I do think we should be able to like own personal things but in the manifesto uh, Marx makes a distinction between personal and, pr and private property which I guess for like people of a more capitalist mindset it would not exactly be like the easiest for them to understand it's also kind of confusing because that doesn't comport with the earlier political literature of like John Locke and stuff who goes yeah very in-depth into private property and doesn't make the distinction that Marx does. Yeah. Well, like, uh, pretty much, um, like for our listeners who, um, as for you, of you as there are, uh, <laughs> I think I have, yeah, I have the walk that I was talking about. Yeah. Like, are you reading that in like philosophy or just, reading uh, yeah, I read it last semester. Yeah. Uh, well, like, hold on. My mic cord is doing that again. There we go. It's analog, so I could just hit it to get it working again. Um, but yeah, so private property is basically stuff that you use for yourself, things that you own that you use for yourself. So like everything from like your toothbrush, because that's like the thing. It's like, like communists want to take your toothbrush. You're like, um, so yeah, your toothbrush, your phone, your laptop, or even like your car, your house, those kind of things. Even, even the food that you own before it becomes excessive. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so yeah, like that, that's all personal property. That is yours. The government's not going to, or, or, you know, or that's not going to be like, you know, that, or like the government's not going to take that or it's not going to become like a public utility just because like it's a thing. But like private property is something that you own that you can use to make a profit. That could mean, you know, like an apartment building or like a room that you're renting out or you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's the real distinction uh, between personal and private property. It, it, all, it all comes down to, like, what you use it for that makes that distinction or, like, use value. 
And, and like when I first heard someone explain that, you know, that blew my mind. It was like, wow, like that, there is a distinction. And so like, and that kind of set me on a path. It's like, what other like misconceptions about uh, Marxism that I have? Yeah, but there's a deliberate effort, you know, in the public education system in America to like, misinform students about what communism and Marxism are. Yeah, like, Giordano, like I think, was really frustrated by that because he taught history, and that's you know, and he led the Young Socialist Club, where he could yeah. kind of off there. But like in class, like he seemed to be very careful about, you know, saying something that would make Marx look good. Yeah, Mr. G, you know, like, yeah, like yeah, Mr. Giordano, we call him Mr. G. Oh, um, yeah. but yeah, like he was kind of like my friend. Oh, I shouldn't have said his name. Oh well. Uh, okay, I don't know. We, we, we didn't, they don't know where we find like they don't know where we go to school so it's not like a, they can't find him i'm sure there's numerous people named giordano we can maybe like bleep it out i don't fuck i don't, I don't know <laughs> it's just his last name i think it's fine okay but yeah we'll just refer to him as mr g from here on out right um but yeah but like i remember like uh my a push teacher uh, AP U.S. History um, would shit on Mr. G a lot. Is that Mr. T? Mr. T. Mr. T. Yeah. yeah. I had Mr. T. Yeah, Mr. T. Yeah. 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 He described Mr. G as a car as a card carrying communist one time. Well, like I've never heard him refer to as that. Like he referred to him as like a full on socialist, but that's yeah different. I remember he used the phrase "card carrying communist." I thought it was funny because it was alliterative. <laughs> Yeah, like honestly, um, you know, like uh, Mr. Like my my interactions with Mr. G was kind of like my first introduction into like you know, like socialism is not like inherently bad. It's not like some evil, you know, thing that just should not be talked about at all. Like not that I like agreed with it at that time, like I do now. But like I I I began to see it as just like another like ideology that people could believe in you know mm -hmm. I, like i could disagree with it you know i could yeah. agree with it but it was like it was not some like inherently evil ideology you want to hear a kind of kind of messed up story about my middle school experience i'm wondering if you had this experience as well eighth All grade right. Physics, right um, my teacher put up like a lot of different ideologies on the board and she assigned people to like present them it was like anarchism communism democracy was up there uh, <laughs> i don't know but it was a bunch of different things and the point was like let's vote one by one to cross off what we don't want if like we were on a desert island and needed to form a government and like in the end we just oh. of the students ended up choosing the sort of government that we have now in america but i think what that reveals is that the way it's taught in this country is to make people you know think that what we have here is the best it could be yeah which is, yeah, I don't know. And like, that's basically, like basically like keeping like communism or like anarchism and democracy separate, you know, like that, or like even like separate from capitalism because like capitalism has democracy within itself. Right, basically, yeah. Basically Socialism saying, is like yeah. highly democratic. It's like democracy plus 10, I mean. Yeah, and like, and that's the thing, like democracy is not like, like democracy can be found in numerous different forms of economic systems like in 
like including like capitalism and socialism just to like varying degrees and like it really depends on like the type of democracy because like you know in government class we learned about like the three different types of democracy we like learned about like elite democracy uh pluralist democracy and then like uh I don't know, like just like individualist democracy or whatever yeah, sounds cool. I don't I don't I know what you're talking about. I don't know all the names. Yeah, but what we have right now is like a very elite democracy. Like we have the electoral college. Uh we have like private donors for pretty much all of our politicians with except like a select few. Not uh, to mention all the voter suppression or all the effort. Yeah, all the voter suppression. Yeah. Especially like you know, you know, like that uh Georgia bill, like that that one woman was arrested for like right yeah yeah like apparently like it's illegal to like serve food and in, in voting lines now in georgia which is yeah insane like i don't know why that would why it would even come across your mind to like get rid of that because that's just so, kind of it's like a it's like a thing that happens that homeless people are like almost invariably turned away if they show up to vote but there's nowhere is it written down that homeless people can't vote right yeah it's I mean, it's just part of, like, the broader stigma, I guess, that we have on homelessness. But, I mean, like, also felons aren't allowed to vote. Um, oh, yeah. Or, like, the, well, like, it depends on, like, what state you're in. Like, the, the laws around, like, felons or, like, ex-felons voting is, like, varies from state to state. Okay. Um, like, I think Virginia, as well as Florida, were, like, one of those few states left that, you know, you couldn't vote once you're out of prison. Or, like, like, you would have to, like, receive like a pardon or like go like in florida there was like a whole court in which you had to go to like argue to make sure that you were an upstanding citizen even after you served your prison sentence and like sometimes that process can take years even if you are successful in getting your voting rights back uh you know like states like vermont as well as uh i think it's maine you know you're allowed to vote from prison and that's like what's influenced like Bernie's belief that you should be able to vote from prison because you know you shouldn't like the right to vote should be inherent in our democracy and we shouldn't just take that away just because you did something bad. Like you're gonna serve your time in prison, you're going to do you're going to pay for what you did, you know, by like you know, giving a huge chunk of your life to the state. And but in the like, vast majority of cases your voice should not yeah. be erased. In the vast majority of cases, it's like way overboard. I mean, people go to jail for like drug possession all the time. Yeah. There was a guy who started a market on the dark web recently who was given life in prison for starting a, you know, a big successful drug market on online. He doesn't deserve life in prison for that. I mean, that's- Paul Manafort got four years. And, And especially the way that it was reported was really gross. It went from like- the way they described this uh, drug market guy was um, like from nice boy scout to like most dangerous man on the internet was the way they described him. Well, like it's still mm-hmm. the guy, like you just started a drug market, but they're making it sound like he broke bad or something. Yeah. And, you know, and it's also like the bias in the justice system is reflecting like what rich white assholes get for prison. You know, like I said, Paul Manafort yeah. got four years Jeffrey Epstein, when he was initially convicted in the 2000s, he was able to leave prison on the weekends, you know, so he could do work or whatever. Donald Trump is going to get zero prison time. Very yeah, late. Donald Trump is going to get zero prison time. George Bush got zero prison time all under this. Like and like the reasons for that is because um, all of this, you know, 
this this idea is just like oh we have to move on as a nation and it was just like like but people should still pay for like the actual bad things that they did Can we put them in prison and then move on like yeah you have to start right willing to grant that same sort of altruistic attitude to people who use marijuana joe biden who you fought you fired people from the white house for using marijuana in an area of washington dc where it's legal yeah you know it's it's insane kamala harris or uh, kamala harris wait how do you pronounce her name is it kamala or kamala i think it's kamala kamala all right kamala we're not gonna like make jokes about that because that's what stupid assholes do i just wanted to get it right um yeah kamala harris yeah i mean she like jokes openly or like laughs openly about putting away marijuana users like putting like meaning in jail and then like she on a podcast like one of the most famous podcasts like she joked about like smoking weed in college i mean like joe biden can't legally can't fire her like that's the one position in the cabinet where like you can't be fired but i don't know did he like consider that choosing her like if these people have jobs in the white house like they didn't get there on accident like them smoking or having smoked marijuana how's that going to affect their job in the white house I mean, it's just, it's just stupid. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Punishing people for, I mean, they're just punishing people for indulging in a plant. It would be like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't know. I can't even think of an analogy. It's so, it's so weird. But like, it was like that story about the, uh, the Columbia professor from like over a month ago. Um, Like he teaches, like, like he's a neurobiologist. He teaches psychology at columbia university so like he's an ivy league level professor like he's not an idiot right and like but like he does heroin recreationally he does even like molly and meth recreationally on occasion like and he he claims he's not addicted he does it to like uh you know maintain a a healthy work-life balance and like he's a family man too and like so like he does all so like this kind of goes against the conventional perception of what a drug user specifically of like these drugs like meth heroin like these are the kind of people you would expect to be sleeping on the streets you know you know sucking dick for drug money you know mm-hmm. like that's the uh like that's the stereotypical uh, perception mm-hmm. but yeah like this guy's this guy's like a genius he teaches at an Ivy League school he's a family man so like also just like don't really think through I mean, heroin is among the more expensive of like the street drugs, so to speak. You, you need some money in order to purchase it and be addicted to it. Opioids, like, I mean, there's like, that's... Well, like, that's the thing. Like, I've heard like stories about like op- people who get addicted to opioids turning to heroin because heroin is actually cheaper than yeah. like Oxycontin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the re- yeah, I mean, and opioids, they kill way more people than like, you know, weed does. Or or yeah, or LSD or other Schedule One substances, um, and, and those are not only legal; they're prescribed mostly, you know, in in high amounts, mostly to white people, and then they get addicted on accident. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just like every, and of course, people believe. I don't know. I don't. I probably don't need to say this. I was just going to say, yeah. It. like, yeah, like effort has you know totally warped people's sense of um, drug users and drug addicts. But yeah, like these elite, like basic, a lot of these suburban, like elite people like to look down on poor, on like these poor people, like in West Virginia who got hooked on painkillers. And the reason why they're on painkillers is not even necessarily their fault. You know? Yeah. 
like they were prescribed this stuff and you know like it's the Sackler family told people these aren't addictive which was just a lie yeah and you know and the Sackler like the Sacklers among others among other companies like specifically targeted like poor communities like especially like in you know like in the Mississippi Delta or like the Appalachia uh, Appalachian area I, I can't yeah. I'm not a good southerner I can't figure out how to pronounce Appalachia or Appalachia it's Appalachia I don't know well, like I've heard both pronunciations from different people, but I don't, I don't know. But yeah, like they were specifically targeting those areas, and like, like I, I don't know. It was like the ratio of like people in this one town, like Kermit, West Virginia, I think it was, like the ratio of like people to like the drugs that they're uh, shipping there. Thank Christ. But, um, the Sackler family was sued eventually. Yeah. Like a really small sum of money. I mean, for the amount that they have and the amount of damage that they've done, it was a couple million from my reckon. Like maybe yeah. two to five or something. Well, like maybe justice won't be done until Sackler's in prison. I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, yeah, that yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, well, here's something we could talk about. We could talk about Amazon. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah, um, it was like, uh, here's like a CNN article I pulled up. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, Amazon, it's like, there's an effort in Alabama to, uh, unionize Amazon, uh, because I mean, recently Amazon did capitulate to Bernie and Rokana's pressure, like they, Bernie and Rokana put together like the stop Bezos act and among their demands was um, to make sure that Jeff Bezos paid a $15 minimum wage to his workers. And he did that. But wages is only one small part of the equation of like how badly Amazon employees are being treated. A lot of it comes down to like shit work conditions. And so like everyone likes to talk about like how efficient Amazon is and they are very efficient and how they do, do business with customers. So like, like if you, you're a prime user and you order like same free, same day delivery, they have to meet that, like they have to meet that demand at all costs. And it, and the costs are great. Like it, because um, like take like the warehouses, you know, like someone could be, you know, walking to one end of the warehouse and like, keep in mind, like these, these warehouses are huge. Like, I think someone said they're like two football fields big pretty much it's like one person could be going on one end of the warehouse getting one item and then like he has to run all the way to the opposite end of the of the warehouse in like five seconds pretty much in order to meet this demand of like oh like this item needs same day delivery so you have to get it now and yeah. if they fall behind like they're at risk of getting fired and there are algorithms that like are you know, made to maximize efficiency. So like all of these standards are, you know, impressed upon the workers. They end up yeah. like the piss bottle is well known at this point. There are also yeah. drivers, Amazon because, drivers who had to like shit in boxes or bags or whatever. Yeah. And they have to do that because if they take a bathroom break or like sometimes even if they take a lunch break, they fall behind on like how quick they're supposed to be, uh, you know, moving these items around. And like sometimes, you know, Amazon does like, you know, oh, we're a good company. We reward our workers for hard work. Like, like whoever is the fastest worker will get a prize. And someone, there was like a YouTuber 
who worked at Amazon. And um, they're saying that, you know, like whoever, you know, like we're going to keep, we're going to like do very hard to work very hard today. And whoever like works the hardest will get a prize. And like all day, it was just like backbreaking work. And, you know, like even like 20 year olds go, go home at the end of the day, like completely exhausted. And you know what the prize was? A $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. You know, what the fuck? Like, that's just a joke. That's, that's them making fun of their workers. Like you can't go anywhere else. Yeah. Like I saw this thing. That's it was on April. Like a lot of day. people. It was like, I think like Amazon, I think it was a fake tweet, but if it was real, this would be a really dickish thing to do. Like Amazon was like, um, like supposedly Amazon was like, oh, we were deciding to like improve our working conditions at Amazon. April Fools. I think that was a fake tweet, but it, like, like I was thinking if they actually tweeted this. No, I mean, that, that has fake written all over it, but it's really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, it, it gets, you know, it's a truthful tweet, even if it's fake. Um, it, it, yeah, Amazon contributes to, I mean, to the overall dystopia, because when people lose their jobs, you know, where do they go? Eventually, it's like, it's only Amazon. Yeah. And like Amazon, like there's, it's companies like Amazon and Walmart that hire people. Like they're like one of the biggest hires in the country and they yeah. hire a lot of people who i think they're the two yeah. biggest besides the u.s government uh, the two biggest employers yeah like those are the like i think it was walmart and then amazon recently became the biggest and then like they're those are the kind of people that hire people who can't go to college like either they can't afford it or like they like i don't know they didn't make it into college you know so that's a lot of people i think like what is the statistic like how like what percentage of america Americans don't go to college or don't graduate college. I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, no sense of it either. I couldn't tell. Uh, you. Uh, I, I, know, I could probably look it up real quick, but um, then anyway. I'm trying to get into my phone, but it won't recognize my thumbprint. All right, here we go. <laughs> well, it's now my phone won't even turn on. Oh, there it goes. Dang it. Why did it just open up the, the camera app? Yeah, never mind. But um All right, so Wow. Yeah, it's lower than I was expecting. Um well so I mean like um the number of people 25 to 30 who have a bachelor's degree is about 37%. Uh, 25 wow. is about 35%. Some college is a little higher. It's about 45% for each group, 47% for 25 to 30. Hmm. So like it's a very, very small population that actually like makes it out of college. Yeah. And then. Yeah, a little over yeah. to some college, it says. Yeah. And on top of that, like even uh, people who do go to college um, and like, you know, get a degree, like a lot of companies aren't hiring, uh, you know, people who like, like college educated people anymore for some reason. So it's like hard for them to find a job sometimes. And on top of that, yeah. people who do go to college are completely racked with debt. Yeah. <laughs> and like adds to the financial um, insecurity and then on top of that you know 
And this is why, like, a lot of people really need to be making this case to Joe Biden. And like, because I don't hear enough people making this case in general. Is that if you were like and he can do this through executive order, if you were to if he were to forgive all student debt with an executive order, like what like I said, he, he is able to do like that would do wonders for the economy because, you know, people won't be worried about like student debt payments and then they can use the money that they have to spend on things that they want. And that creates circulation and stimulates yeah, I mean, the economy. We've seen after every single stimulus check or after, you know, the two that were passed, the economy got a little boost because when you give people disposable income, they spend it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that's why I was saying like, you need to give everyone a stimulus check rather than just mean te- means test the shit out of it. You know, like my parents uh, were able to get a stimulus check, but you know, we were pretty financially stable people. Right. Like, so they didn't necessarily need it, but you know what they used the stimulus check for? They got a new roof. You know, like you, you pay for things that you want or like even like we hadn't really replaced the roof in like over 20 years. So. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, yeah, you can make an argument that you need that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like we didn't need it to survive, but we needed it for other things uh, like people who, you know, can spend it on things that they want, you know, and that creates uh, circulation in the economy and then further stimulation. Like this is basic economics. Like uh, it's just that they don't want to give poor people money because, because they, I mean, I, I don't need to explicate why. Yeah. And, and I guess we can talk about like the minimum wage debate as well. Oh yeah, we could. Yeah. And then, and like, it's, there's a couple different arguments against it. Like one definitely has a little bit more merit to it, but the one that is ridiculous is like, it's like, uh, like people who flip burgers don't deserve $15, don't deserve $15. I mean, that's just like rating like, classes. That's yeah. even an attempt at a real analysis. But yeah, but like one person I had the debate with said that, um, you know, like their, like it, like their wage should be dependent on like how much like their work, you know, outputs like to the economy or whatever. And it's like, no, like even then like they still deserve to be paid at yeah. least a living wage and that can vary from that can vary on depending on which state you're in like $15 is probably more than the living wage in like Wyoming but not a living wage in New York also people underestimate how difficult it is I mean you know not just to you know flip burgers but to flip it flip burgers all day every day for years and years and years I mean that takes you know it, it it's unbelievably boring you know they deserve some compensation yeah and it's also like even though like these more like corporate like low-end corporate jobs like flipping burgers or maybe like being a stock boy at at walmart you know they're and like these people like like these companies do employ a lot of teenagers to do the job but like that's not all they that's not like a lot of adults who could make it in life either because like mostly just to unfortunate circumstances, you know, like are working these jobs, you know, like there's a lot of people who joke about like, you, you notice that one middle-aged person at McDonald's and you know, there's just a sob story behind it. There is. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a joking matter either. And like they, they have themselves to take care of as well as like a family maybe, you know? So. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. but the one thing we do know is that they need to at least provide for themselves and like a $15 minimum wage is like the bare minimum of what, uh, you know, that 
yeah, fifteen dollar minimum wage is like the bare minimum of what to pay them if they were to like take care of themselves. Yeah, I was talking to this one friend I had from high school. We talk sometimes. He was telling me like, you know, like, I mean, he was basically saying what you were saying, like, well, if you're in a minimum wage job flipping burgers as intended for teenagers, you probably don't deserve fifteen dollars an hour. Like, like, what are you talking about? Like, people need to live. They need to have shelter. He literally said. You can go out and chop up some lumber and build your own house. <laughs> what the fuck? Because that, that's totally how it works. Like this guy. I, I mean. Yeah. And then like he was trying to say that I was like moving on from poor people to homeless people like too quickly. And I was like, well, if you're poor and you can't pay rent, you're going to be homeless. The two are very connected. Some people just like have no concept of the real world or how the economy affects people. Yeah. And on top of that, you've probably heard this. Um, it's like if we raised the minimum wage along with worker productivity, we probably would have had like maybe like a $22, $23 minimum wage by now. If they kept up, if our minimum wage kept up with Wall Street bonuses, it would be damn near $50. If we kept the original minimum wage that FDR put in, it would be about $20. That's the yeah, like it, if we increase it with inflation, it would be a little bit less than 15. But if we increased it to if we increased it, that true? I thought it was even more than 15. Let me check. Yeah, yeah, 20, 25 cents back then is, I, yeah, it's, I think it's more than, yeah, you'd be right. I don't know, I, I think it might be more than seven to one, like seven and a quarter, which is what it is now. Uh, but I don't know. Like I know, like but oh shit, no, no, it's it's way less than that. It's about five bucks. Oh, but still, like if yeah, the original minimum wage was was not very much, but also yeah. the but you also I mean the standards, the cost of living has raised tremendously since the nineteen yeah there, so yeah there's that too. So yeah, it's and like the other art argument you hear, and this one definitely has a little bit more merit to it, um, but not much. It's like the idea of like, if we raise the minimum wage, you know, there will be layoffs because companies can't afford to pay their employees. Well, like a, um, most of the companies that do have like a seven, like less than a living wage as like their starting wage, those are mostly corporate companies like, you know, McDonald's, uh, you know, like up until recently, Amazon and then Walmart, like those kinds of companies they are they are more than able to like provide at least a living wage and someone was trying to was trying to use like that argument with me like using pizza hut as a direct example it was like well the national pizza hut can reallocate more funds to that location so they can pay their employees a living wage and like they should do that with all the other pizza hut locations and on and it for small businesses you know the government could subsidize them even if they didn't um, I mean, the people who'd be laid off, laid off would be mostly teenagers. And if their parents get paid more, go figure, you know, it would be less necessary for them to enter the workforce. But also, yeah. aside, on top of that, those layoffs, um, yeah, they would happen like at first, but then as the job market adjusts over time, about five or six years is all, every projection I've seen, teenagers yeah. will be able to enter the workforce again, like just as easily. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but also, I mean, I don't think we should stop at the minimum wage. I mean, the minimum wage will help, but 
there are so many like you know problem economic problems that plague people we need to you know cancel student debt that would help we need to well, i mean just like the whole system is is pretty fucked <laughs> like yeah well like and then there's that discussion about like is the system broken or is it just working as it like is it just working as normal and it just you know like it's just well, the, working in, the way it was basically supposed to like looking at history looking at like just, i mean yeah i mean that sounds stupid but looking at history you would expect you know at a certain point that america would have adjusted or would have changed you know it, it's its system to accommodate you know the problems that they were seeing with poverty because you know we can afford to fix poverty we can, you know, FDR sort of trying to do this and the progressive movement before him trying to, you know, put in more social safety nets for people, um, mm-hmm. create more of a welfare state. You would expect that sort of thing to happen because historically that's how the economy has reacted, but or that's how people react to the economy. But like there's, we have this weird history with the Cold War where we see capital mm-hmm. now as like the finish line and that's like the ultimate economic system and people don't want to do anything but that. Mm-hmm. And what's really stupid about that is that we don't even have pure capitalism. It's, the, yeah. I mean, our system's really broken, but the things that are holding it together are those, you know, government programs of social safety nets. Mm-hmm. And like, say that I would it, go even further. Like, not only is like capitalism like the finish line, I wouldn't even say like Marxism is like the finish line. No, right. You know, like our, our economics are probably just going to be in an ever-changing state because like the way, you know, like Richard Wolff described it, like socialism is kind of, is where like where it is now is kind of like where capitalism was when we were trying to get out of feudalism and um you know like and like we wouldn't have socialism or like the idea of socialism without capitalism sort of like yeah. how capitalism was born out of like the grievances concerning feudalism and i'm sure there's going to be some grievances about socialism in the future that will be addressed and like it will become like a new yeah. And also the thing about feudalism to capitalism, that transition, it happened naturally pretty much everywhere. Like it, some guy didn't sit down and come up with it. Um, like that's just like the way the society moved. There was no like outside effort to try and keep things the way that they were, you know, be, yeah. moved into agricultural capitalism first is what I'm talking about. And then, yeah. And like capitalism at that point was kind of like, like I said, where socialism is now where it's kind of being tried at like different, like degrees like yeah like it's being tried you know at like at varying scales like at a more individual scale like you know like with like with communism like there's like certain communes or like you know you have certain like governments trying it that was similar to what was happening with capitalism and all of these experiments were happening with varying degrees of success and that's very much like it is now like even like the 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 socialist experiments in which we would like consider bad even like by conventional wisdom like there's definitely some things that they got right you know like take cuba for example a lot of people like to say like oh cuba is bad because castro and um like no matter how bad it was like they definitely got some things right you know Uh, like like, yeah their healthcare system is superior like their literacy like they pretty much abolished illiteracy you know, Jeez, and that's yeah. just like one example. Impressive. I mean, and, uh, that was one thing that, um, well, I don't know. Never mind. There's not a lot of it. I was going to say that's one thing that Adam Smith pointed out was that um, 
industrial capitalism led to higher literacy, but there's been some debate about that now that I'm thinking about it. Well, I guess like compared to feudalism, sure. But yeah, but even even then, like there's there's some evidence that in the time of feudalism, there is even higher literacy than in the early stages of industrial capitalism because people had more free time to read and that's what they would choose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's complicated. I probably shouldn't have brought it up. You just meant yeah. literacy. But like even then, like you could definitely see that kind of comparison with like if we transition to socialism, you know, people would have more time, not just like to read, but like to just, you know, maybe discover discover other passions. Right. Or like, you know, we have this weird culture now of like the side hustle where like your interest is supposed to be monetized. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, you can't even like really do anything for fun. Or if you do decide to pursue like an auxiliary interest, yeah, profit off of it. It's not really a hustle. Like I work at a I work a desk job at a tech company, but like my like side hustle is like I like to, you know, I like to make music or I like to paint or I don't, that's not really going to be the case for me since like I'm studying music, but like I've kind of fucked myself in that, <laughs> in that area. Sure. But yeah, like uh, music was really the only thing I was ever good at. So I decided to just embrace it. And, like I w- I'm going to do something involving music. I always appreciated and understood music better than I could like play it. Like I had some natural aptitude, but. Um. Well, yeah, you played uh, like clarinet and jazz band. Mm-hmm. And I still fiddle with the guitar and stuff. Yeah. Like we were in the same music theory class. That was a fun class. Oh uh, yeah, that that was that was fun. You know, we're actually doing figured bass in theory right now. Nice. Remember how awful. Yeah, that you have was. a head start. Yeah. I yeah. Actually, like was I I like that. <laughs> I know I hated figured bass, and like my my little brother took uh music so like the way they separated out for current like like for high school students in this pandemic year is that they separated classes out by semester instead of just like doing them throughout the year so like when my little brother was learning uh like he's a freshman in high school currently he was trying to learn music theory this year but like they just tried to cram a whole year's worth of learning into one semester and he hated it even though like he's he's a very natural musician himself I remember like, I saw your brother for the first time. I was like, I thought it was you. I was like, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> like he got really small. Yeah, or like, yeah, one time my little brother visited our class when I was like in elementary school or something like that. And then someone said like, I saw your little brother and I was thinking, how did Harrison get so short? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's my full name, Harrison. I, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I go, I just go by Harry now. I only started going by Harry like in high school. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. There's, there's some like, I don't know, like past history that factored into why I did that. It wasn't so like, oh, I'll go by Harry. It's fun. Like there's some actual like more deep seated reasons as to that, but it's just going to sound corny if I try to explain it. Sure. So is Harry Potter's full name, Harrison Potter? Oh uh, no. Like, I, no, I just decided to go by Harry. There's like actually one person I knew that uh, his real yeah. name, his full name was Harrison, but he went by Harry, but instead of a Y, he had an I at the end. You know, it's is like, Harry like, like H-A-R-R-Y? Is that like always short for something? Or is it just like its, its own name? I have no... It's, it's its own name, but like it can be like a nickname for Harrison, but like it can't like... 
Yeah, I'm pretty All sure right. like Harry Potter is just Harry rather than like being short for Harrison. Fair enough. I don't know. All right. Or um, I know what we can do now. Let's yeah. talk about the uh, little Nas X thing that oh yeah blowing up the internet uh, this past week. Um, but so yeah, I didn't uh, know who uh, this guy was to be honest. Well, well yeah, Little Nas X uh, first gained notoriety for Old Town Road, in which oh that was him. Yeah, yeah, that was him. And then like he got further fame when he uh, came out as gay. So like think about it like both the hip-hop charts and the country charts were being topped by a gay black man. So, like, that was kind of, like, the hilarity of it. It It's like, yeah, the country charts are being topped by a gay black man. And, um... Great. Yeah, and and that... But, like, it was cool. It's like, we have, like, sort... I mean, like, he's definitely solidly more hip-hop, but, like, that was kind of, like, a mixture of hip-hop and country. Yeah. But like he did a new song uh, to Wasn't promote. Billy Ray Cyrus involved in that song? Yeah, he was involved in like a remix of it. I think. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I haven't really listened to the song that much. I just know that it exists and that. He I know it because it was fucking everywhere for like. Yeah, it was fucking everywhere. It was like in all the memes and shit. Yeah. I got the horses in the back. <laughs> it's so it's stupid catchy. <laughs> it gets stuck in. Yeah, your- it it is catchy. You know, like I actually sat through the kids' pop version of it my mom sent it to me just because like i like to be tortured sometimes it was actually it was kind of cringy in my music class uh i think two or three semesters two two semesters ago uh, my teacher played that song and she was like all right can you identify the time signature it was like three of us in there and i was the only guy who'd studied music i was like <laughs> either two four or four four she's like yep <laughs> what the fuck it's well, a- yeah like <laughs> Well, yeah, we we analyze like songs of all different genres in my music theory class, including a lot of hip hop stuff. Yeah, she was a really bad professor, though. That, that was that was an unusual yeah. experience. My professor is a doctor from Canada. I think I don't know. I'm not right. going to swear to that. I don't know. It's just like whenever she says, like the owl sound, she would normally say, like, like you know, like instead of about, she'd say about. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm not going to swear to that, but um. She could be from like the northern United States or something around. Possibly. Yeah. Midwestern or something. I don't fucking know what that area is called. Hmm. But anyway, about Lil Nas X. <laughs> we kind of went on a tangent about further Sorry. tangent about music. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he released a song in which like it had to do a lot with like him being uh, gay. Like it had to do with like sort of like a gay empowerment message. Like like Christian say, I'm going to hell for being gay. It's like, fine. And when I go down there, I'm going to seduce the devil and take over hell. And like, you know, in the music video, like Lil Nas X was like giving the devil a lap dance. Fuck yeah. And like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, South Park portrayed the devil as gay. Like, Oh yeah, like oh yeah, he was in a love affair with Saddam Hussein. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know why a Christian would be mad at like a joke about Satan being gay. But I guess it was just like the idea of like, you know, uh, like a gay man being like okay with going to hell. It's like you're okay with going to hell, you're okay with being like damned or whatever. Or all the like yeah, that. I'm not gonna get any dick up in heaven if all the gay people are in hell, like <laughs> yeah it's like 
and and that was a thing they were saying like so i don't get it like i'm like i'm gay you say i'm going to hell and then when i say like i'm not going to heaven i say okay you get mad it's just like and then it's because the fear isn't working on him the same way it works on all the other christians they're like what yeah scare you (laughs) i know because it's fake and then their brains explode (laughs) (laughs) but like um and anyway like he had like he had released that song with the music video and he also like was using it to promote a shoe like a satan shoe in which it had like 666 written and written on it it had like the pentagram on like the shoelaces or something like that were they, and then, like, were they what were they like basketball shoes or what sort of shoes uh i don't know they're just like i'm not a shoe expert. they're just shoes they're just like some sort of like like sneaker like dress guess, shoes yeah. oh okay sneaker okay okay yeah i was trying to get like i don't really know anything about the shoe <laughs> i don't know those kind of shoes i just referred to as tennis shoes when i was younger oh okay i know what you're talking about then yeah but like yeah they're not like formal shoes but anyway, like he claimed that they like each shoe was like made with like a drop of human blood, <laughs> which is weird. But like, okay, I don't know how much truth there is to that claim. Pretty but, obvious. Any, yeah, like I mean, like the whole thing was probably just just a troll. But like, I don't know how much of like the claim is about like the like I don't know maybe like he. Where is he gonna find human blood to put in the shoe? Like. I don't know, like, but like just a drop, maybe. I don't know. But for like every shoe, that's like a lot of that's a lot of blood. But like there, it was a limited edition thing. It was there was not a whole lot. So maybe he only shoes. killed one person or something. Hmm. But anyway, we we're kind of getting up beside ourselves there. But um, I don't know. Christ. So if there is human blood, I don't really give a fuck to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you murdered a guy to do it. That, that would creep like, me people out. Have, people are walking around with like organs in them that, you know, they weren't born with. And yeah, I mean, we, I don't know, all sorts of fucked up stuff happens that we think is okay. <laughs> like Matt Gates dating a minor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, the Christian community got really pissed off at him for that, as you saw. Like, and Lil Nas X was going off on them on Twitter. Like I think it was like the governor of South Dakota, Kirsty Noem, and like, yeah, she said, "Well, Christ, like I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna see if I can pull." Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't remember what she said specifically. I remember roughly what they said, but I don't know how like the conversation got started. I forgot. I like, just what saw she said. like I saw like a bunch of the tweets in like a, a series, so I sort of like I, I know sort of who the people were, but I, I can't remember what tweets they wrote exactly. Uh, Christy, oh, it's Christy Noem, not Kirsty Noem. Let's see. Uh... Oh, okay. I think I remember her then, Christy. Yeah, like yeah, th- yeah. She's the yeah governor of South Dakota, or one of. Yeah, yeah. She had a memorable one. If I'm, unless my brain is confusing me. Yeah, hold, oh, hold on. Apparently, I have to turn off ad blocker to view this new yeah. site. Fuck that. I hate it when they make me do this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hold on, shit. Um, oh, come on. 
All right. So watching a Twitter feud between South Dakota's governor and a Grammy winning rapper was not how I planned to spend my Sunday. And if you had Christy Noam, uh, come on, pop-ups. And if you had uh, Christy Noam battles uh, Lil Nas X over the soul of our nation on your 2021 bingo card, I really wish you would have told me I would have tuned out for a bit. So yeah, this happened. Yeah. Like a week ago. Let's see. Um, you should share the screen. Yeah, uh, I'll do that. Hold on, I'm gonna ditch some because I want to see it. Because like I'm gonna ditch some tabs because I have like my email opened up and I don't want to dox myself. All right. Okay, so like here's a picture of like the shoes. Okay. extra extra large magazine nice yeah all right they look like pretty normal shoes to me yeah except for you know the pentagram <laughs> and they also they have a bible verse on it luke 10 18 let's look it up luke 10 18 oh you've got it yeah there's a lot of weird stuff in luke <laughs> this is yeah well, I mean, yeah, he was a physician. You know, he was definitely getting high off his own medicine. Oof. He was also, like, really anti-Jewish. Oof. Like, the first Wasn't gospel he, to, like, uh, really... Yeah, he was the only uh, Gentile to write a book in the New Testament. I think that's true. Or something like that. John was also, like, you know, pretty... He, he wasn't very nice to the Jews in his gospel either. Okay, so yeah, Luke 10, 18 right. roughly says, like, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay. Damn. But, like, let's, let's see. Okay, so, like, here's the, the Twitter fight, it says. Initial, so, like, um, yeah, Noam says, initial salvo shares concerns for kids the nation's soul and says we need to fight hard and Nas X uh, said your whole governor and you you on here tweeting about some damn shoes do your job and like which is true <laughs> because Christy Noam has really handled the pandemic terribly Noam then <laughs> and then Noam said like a bible verse I think it was like um what was it like yeah a bible verse saying like you you could gain the whole world but what at like the expense of your soul or something like that 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 was i think it was like from matthew right and then nas x said a quote from his own song which says like i shoot a baby in your mouth while i'm writing (laughs) (laughs) like quoted that tweet and then like wrote that and like it was like a quote from his own song and like he wrote it like and he formatted it as a Bible verse and it was That's really funny. Nice. <laughs> and then like Nas X mocks up a quick Chick-fil-A yeah. shoe. Y'all happy now. And like that this was the Chick-fil-A shoe, like with John 316. <laughs> Yo, what is that? John 316. Yeah. yeah. John 316 is arguably one of the most famous Bible verses. It's like for like God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believed in him would not die but have eternal life yeah that's pretty much Something. word for word what it is yeah yeah good yeah job. yeah I've, I've heard it a lot 
Yeah, John yeah. describes Judas as being possessed by the devil. He's the only one to go that far. Oh, damn. But yeah, that was... And then, like, I forgot who it was. It was, like, some kind of weird right-winger. And then, like, she decided to be, like, blatantly racist and say, like, oh, little Nas, have you seen your dad lately? Oh, fuck. That was uh, Caitlin Bennett, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Caitlin Bennett. Yeah. And then... And then Lil Nas was like, yeah, and I might fuck yours. Then <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, you're making a joke about raping my dad. She's like, about what I expected. Like, <laughs> like, no. Perfect reply. Like, I think you're underestimating your dad's desire to fuck Lil Nas X. <laughs> so, yeah. Or like, who said that? I think that was Bosch. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. I think it was Bosch. <laughs> but let's not talk about, let's not get into Bosch. If there's anyone watching this, you know, Bosch is very controversial amongst the left well i'm a fan of him and i don't really watch him so i don't really care i don't know we're both like edgy people (laughs) getting drunk (laughs) for the things we say we can just say the word if we were actually famous podcasters we could just say the name Vosh, and then bam comment section goes off 100 that's true we should so hashtag Vosh in the description or something yeah he's pretty much like the captain marvel of left-wing politics what do you put? Uh, because like if like with Marvel fans, just say the name oh, Captain Marvel and it goes every which way. Same with like I don't know Star anything Wars about sequ- Marvel. Same with like Star Wars sequels versus Star Wars prequels, which both of them are pretty bad. But we're not gonna get into that because that's they're bad in different ways. They're bad in different ways. And yeah. um yeah, I don't know. Do you want to like roast a PragerU video, like to close things off? Yeah. <laughs> Something like, yeah, let's roast a PragerU video, man. I haven't. I PragerU's pretty much entirely dropped off my radar at this point. I haven't. Yeah. I don't know anything that they're doing. Well, like I saw, they recently got banned from TikTok. Oh, nice. Which, like, I have mixed feelings about. Just like, not That's so much so about funny. them being banned. <laughs> Like it's funny, but like it's not so much about them being banned as like the the slippery slope of you know like you know like I don't think the slippery slope is that slippery when you're talking about tech companies like Twitter and TikTok because like th- those are their own companies. You're not like. But I hate hate it when leftists use those arguments because like you're basically arguing in favor of like capitalism and like that kind of like pr- private companies basically just being able to do what they want. Look, I mean, here, the way I see it is they can either be a platform or they can be like a publication. They can't be both. If they're a platform, then like they. Well, like, then they social media sen- is like if they're a platform, square. then they shouldn't censor anyone. It, that is my thinking. If they're a platform, then everyone should be allowed on to have their voice heard. Uh, yeah. They handle things is more like a publication in that they, they can choose what goes on and what doesn't. Yeah. Well, like, but yeah, I see social media as like the new public square. So I d- therefore think that like the laws of it, as far as like concerning speech, should be u- guided by the First Amendment. I think it's definitely rather than that purposely direction. vague. Language. I think it's, yeah. I think maybe you could make that argument more easily for Twitter than with other things. Yeah, like it's quite there yet. But if it ever does get there, then we should just make it a public utility, to be honest. Don't even like yeah. put anyone in charge, don't put a private company in charge of it. Oh, here was the thing that, like, I, I remember sent, sending this to the chat. Did capitalism save communist China, which it was never really communist to begin with? 
Let's see. I don't know. Do you think we want to roast that one? Sure. Oh, one next to it. Like why I left my job as why I quit my job as a leftist organizer. Oh, that should be interesting to watch at another time. Whose job is being an organizer? Well, like it's an actual thing. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a paying job. I thought that was a volunteer thing. Well, yeah, it's definitely more of a volunteer thing, but I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why she's phrasing it as like quit her job. Well, she's oh, trying to make it sound like she got paid to be a leftist. Yeah. She's trying to make us. Like, I forgot to share sound. She's seen the light and is no longer a grifter. Yeah. No, the framing is so obvious all the time. Yeah. How did one of the world's poorest countries, China, become in 30 years one of the world's richest? There is one word answer capitalism. Here's how it happened. In well, already, we're skipping over the majority of Chinese history, I guess. <laughs> defeated the Nationalist Party in the brutal civil war. The leader of the CCP, Mao Zedong, promised the Chinese people that he would create a new China, a socialist paradise where the benevolent state would take care of every citizen's needs from shelter to education to employment. Which is not necessarily how Marxist society works to begin with. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's the opposite. Like, again, like, but also she's like Marx had no interest in the state. Her framing on this is so weird too. Like how did China go from being one of the poorest countries to one of the richest? I'm like, well, China's been around for like longer than practically every civilization ever. You're really skipping over a lot of history and a lot of context. Yeah. And like you know, like the China that existed before the CCP was arguably like worse because of how imperialist it was. Yeah. I mean, China, China's still kind of imperialist now. And when it comes to like the stuff about like uh, China's human rights abuses, like anytime there's like a state that exists as like as they do, human rights abuses are pretty much going to just be a given like they're going to happen. But as far as like what the specifics of what is happening, I, I find it very hard to distinguish what is actually happening and what is just like U.S. propaganda. And I mean, also like, World War Two is a huge Thing that she's just kind of skipping over how that impoverished China because of the Japanese empire as well as other factors. Yeah. No more greedy businessmen. Factories would be owned by their workers. No more evil landowners. The state would own all property on behalf of the people. That's, not that's definitely not Marxist. Marxist. Everyone yeah. could eat as much as they want at the public cafeterias. That's just state capitalism. To transform capitalism. China into this heaven on earth, Mao launched the radical socialist reforms. Industries were nationalized, private businesses were eliminated, and I thought you said that they were owned by the workers. But rather yeah. than turning China into so are they nationalized or are they worker owned? These policies turned to China. Yeah, publicly funded and publicly owned are two different things. Right, but she's just conflating them. Yeah. Into a hell on earth. House care was cheap, but there was a chronic shortage of doctors, hospitals and the modern medicine. Nothing to do with the healthcare. Because the government gave each person a job. But if you didn't like the job you were assigned, well, that was just too bad. Your government assigned job was tied to your food ration. No work, no food. That's literally capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, work or starve. Under a Marxist society, there would be room for people who didn't want to work and could still survive. 
Yeah, and it's not like you're assigned a certain job. That's not how it works either. Right, yeah. Uh, so it's like either she sounds just like it was random, like you drew it from a hat or something. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, pretty much everything, you know, like everything that you need to survive is tied to your job, like healthcare, for example. Like, so like it becomes very hard for you to quit your job because, you know, then you wouldn't have healthcare. And you know, like she I mentioned, know. like this, the shortage yeah. of doctors and the shortage of modern medicine or that has nothing to do with the healthcare socialized system. Socialized healthcare system. Like, that's a problem with the healthcare itself. Yeah. Speaking of food, it wasn't long after Mao took power that the widespread food shortages began happening. My own parents had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to stand in long lines outside of a grocery store to get a pound of sugar or several ounces of cooking oil. Often, they got nothing. Every year was worse than the last. Recall food bank lines during the pandemic? Yep. Yeah, it's not like... All these problems she's describing exist under capitalism. Yeah. Between 1958 and 1962, China experienced the worst famine in human history. An estimated 45 million Chinese starved to death victims of their own government's murderous stupidity. Among the lives lost were my uncle, my grand-aunt and her family of five, and my dad's maternal grandmother. At the time of Mao's death in 1976, more than 90% of the Chinese population lived below the poverty line, earning less than $2 a day. The only equality socialism had achieved was an equal distribution of misery. Mao's successor, Deng Xiaoping. It wasn't really, the, the wealthy population of China, I don't think they had an equal share of the misery. Yeah. But also like the way she, like she said, like the victims of their own government's murder of stupidity, she's making it sound like this was just an accident that happened because it's socialist. But these were like, yeah. this was, I mean, this was an oppressive regime. Like it was intentional, at least to a degree. Yeah. To keep people down and impoverished. Yeah. And like, it's never like the intention of communism to turn terrible or like the way that she's describing. Also like China was not industrialized before, you know, by the time they, they wanted to socialize everything, which is... Yeah. I mean, that's like, you can't get more anti-Marxist than that, really, trying communism before in industry. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. Like, socialism wouldn't, exi like, wouldn't exist before, co before capitalism, mm -hmm. before it. Yeah. So, like, that's why like, if we, like, applied, like, a, like, one thing. So that it's not capitalism that, that saved the yeah. socialism. It's that they needed capitalism in order for the socialism to work anyway. It's really yeah. what the radio should be called, I mean. Yeah, and that's and that kind of like factors into like the argument. So like people say that you know like England's healthcare system, even though like like they rank pretty high, like they do have an issue with like um, health outcomes. They have a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like the innovations that come from like the the medicinal innovations in the United States, like that wouldn't be a problem. So yeah. like if we had like a national even healthcare system, like. Uh, like England did, then we probably we 
would be better off because we have the modern medicine that has already been developed. And England, I mean, this, you know, the country, the citizens are very critical of the NHS, but it's also like way more popular than our multi-payer system over here. Well, yeah, like if there's been people who like do interviews in like Canada or like uh, Britain or Australia, it's like, how much do you think mm-hmm. this healthcare service costs in America? Yeah, I've seen it. It'll be like how much to have a child or how much for an ambulance ride. And they'll be like, that costs yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah, like, or if you, like, if you say the words like medical debt in like any of these places, they're like, wait, what is that? That's a thing. Cost money to be alive? What? Yeah. Recognize that this couldn't go on much longer. The only way to save the CCP's one party rule was to get the economy going. But how? Deng had no idea. Fortunately for him, a small group of farmers did. In 1978, these farmers, 18 of them in the village of Xiaogang, made a secret deal with their village leader. After fulfilling the government quotas, they would be allowed to keep any surplus for themselves and sell what they didn't need. Such a move was risky because it was a rejection of the CCP's socialist policies. But the result was magical. The first year after this deal went into effect, the 18 farmers produced more grain than the entire village had produced in the previous 10 years combined. Is it magical or is it logical? So like this sounds like the other misconception about Marxism is where you're only allowed to like, you're basically just like only allowed to have what you need or whatever. Like that, I mean, you're provided with what you need, but you work for what you want. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to get, you're supposed to reap the labor you put in. I mean, essentially. Yeah. So it's not like that's necessarily necessarily like anti-Marxism. Some model began to spread to other villages. When Deng heard of it, rather than punish the farmers, he had a good sense to recognize that these simple peasants had shown him how to revive China's economy. Soon after, Deng announced the sweeping economic reforms. He opened up China to the outside world, inviting foreign investments, and most importantly, loosening the government's grip on the Chinese people. The results were nothing less than astonishing. She's arguing that it became less authoritarian? The wealthier the Chinese people became. In the space of three decades, 800 million Chinese people emerged out of poverty. Chinese cities now match and exceeds the greatest cities of the West, skyscraper for skyscraper. The CCP likes to pat itself on the back for China's economic miracle. However, the real credit should go to free market capitalism and 18 brave farmers who risk their lives to give it a try. In Mm. recent years- Give it a try. It's logical that that would work. Like, I mean, it's not magical as she described. It's not like yeah. some apparent, you know, magic of capitalism. I mean, it's, it's, that's just how, that's just basic economics. And the other thing, this, this whole video essay is, is kind of like pretty much contradictive to the whole conservative talking point that China is a communist country now. Exactly. So which one is it? Well, yeah. And then, but like, I mean, this video is basically just 
socialism or communism is when the government does stuff. I mean, yeah, we were saying earlier. And then, you know, when the government didn't do something, then it became great because it was capitalist. Yeah. Not when workers took their own destiny into their hands, like as they described. Like, yeah, what they described was basically kind of socialist in itself because, like, you had workers taking their own destiny into their hands. Yep. Workers' liberation. But And she also said... she, she mentioned like very briefly in passing in a way that had nothing to do with the rest of the argument that like the government, the CCP, like loosened its grip on the people. Sounds like yeah. she's saying that they became less authoritarian, which is yeah. super like a, totally against the, uh, what every conservative commentator likes to say. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this whole video China's is just kind of a series of contradicting arguments. Precisely because the current CCP leadership has moved back to a model that asserts ever more government control. The country is becoming less free with each passing year. The, the government's doing stuff. technology such as facial recognition. Okay, so what they're saying is, in order to fit their narrative, that, com- that you know, communism in China was kind of like pushed back against for a while, but now it's making a comeback because of facial recognition technology. Surveillance cameras and surveillance and control. Of it's just, no, it's it's again, it's the government doing stuff. Yeah, it's the government is now you know imposing on your lives more with facial recognition. It's the same yeah. as socialism, right? Because the government's doing stuff. Yeah, like communism is supposed to be like inherently anti-authoritarian. Yeah. move. More and more, there are signs that the CCP is reverting to its Maoist past. That's bad for China. And bad for the world. Well, it could be good since the capitalist now. Author of Confucius Never Said for Prager University. Thank you for watching. Hmm? Didn't catch that. And uh, I don't. Yeah, that was really dumb. And I can see what Prager you tried to do there. They tried to bring in someone who is from China to like add credibility. Whereas, like, I guess if she had actually lived through it sure then that could create some kind of ethos of credibility but at the same time it would be we don't go to like you know trump supporters who think QAnon is a thing say like tell because you're from america you ought to tell it you ought to be able to tell us what america is really like yeah this is i mean this is this is identity politics and the conservatives do it all the time do you remember at the uh, republican national convention where they got this guy from Cuba to like go on stage and talk about how bad communism is. They yeah. also have to flaunt their black Republicans and their mm-hmm. Republicans. They participate in identity in identity politics way more than the left does. And the arguments that they put forward are terrible, but they make it. Yeah. You know, but because she's a Chinese woman whose parents lived through the, that era of Mao Zedong, they're like, oh, well, there's some credibility. People need to take her seriously. Yeah. And the whole like thing about Cuban refugees, that was mostly just kind of like rich Cubans who got rich off like American tourism, but like new uh, and and like American tourism functioned in Cuba the same way it does in other Caribbean islands, like at the expense of the people living there. And so like with yeah. the new policies that Che and Fidel had put in place, um like that wasn't necessarily going to be able to function anymore. So a lot of the Cuban refugees were people who were already rich, like 
mostly rich Cubans who just couldn't do the kind of business they were able to. And the idea that she put forward, the idea that like people are starting to get more sympathetic to Mao's ideas now, that makes sense if you read Marx because now the country is heavily industrialized and, and there's a big free market. Yeah. It's like because it's a whole, it's a whole series of, of contradictions. It's it's weird. And also Tiananmen Square happened when after they had invited Western markets in. But I'll leave that. Big there. facts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They'd say like this is she's conflating, Square yeah, is communist China. She's conflating the economic policy with the state's authoritarianism. And you know, like yeah. work together, of course, and they're interrelated, but they're not the same thing. Of course. Yeah. Let's see. Like maybe we have some time. Maybe we can find one more just in case. Sure, yeah, man. That's ugh. We could probably edit this out for I don't know. We I can probably place in either of our reactions to Prager U videos. Rather than just keeping them both in. Let's see. Or we could, you know, say a little thing like we don't want to put the entire PragerU video in here, so you should go find it and watch it, and you can see our reactions. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> Let's see. Um, ooh, capitalism or socialism? Which one is more democratic? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> we can answer that right now. Yeah, let's see it. <laughs> but um, no, wait, there's a... Let's see. I guess capitalism, they, they're going to argue, is more democratic because when the government does stuff, that's less democratic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, fireside chat. Oh, yeah, PragerU does these weird-ass fire fireside chats to, like, I don't know, make them seem like FDR. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Like, uh, books behind them and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ben Shapiro did one said, if we lose John Locke, we lose America. With this random British guy from hundreds of years ago? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Dave Rubin and Michael this Knowles. John Locke are in the Constitution. I mean, like, we they're written down. But here's one called Book Club. You know, it basically is Dave Rubin and Michael Knowles reading 1984 by George Orwell. Which is He's not going to be able to handle that, dude. Hearing that, hearing that, it's gonna be so bad. They're both like so profoundly stupid. Yeah, like, it's like, and plus like and arguments. They gotta stop also using George Orwell as an example, like as an example. Of he's what? a socialist. He's a socialist. He was just anti-Stalinist. Like, yeah, every socialist virtually is anti-Stalin. I mean, you know, there are tankies and stuff, but like, yeah. But even like there, there's some socialists who have critical admiration for Stalin in the sense that he got maybe a few things right. Because, you know, the sure. saying goes, even a broken clock is, uh, you know. A stopped clock is right twice a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a broken clock is right twice a day. Or if so you throw a million darts at a dartboard, one of them is going to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Like even a blind pig or right. a, a nose deaf pig. Uh, like Trump did some good things. Like he did prison reform. Like it's it was the bare minimum, but it was okay, you know. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. It, I mean, the amount of good that Stalin did is probably more than the amount of good Trump did. I don't want to make that yeah. argument, but like, 
don't know, there was someone who said that no matter how you feel about Stalin, no matter how good or bad he was, I think he is better than all of the U.S. presidents. And that is a very hefty claim. I would like... That's a really hefty claim. Yeah. I'd like, like to read a I'm book not, about that. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, necessarily, like, disagree with it right away. I would want to hear, like, a more specifics because, like, this was, like, a TikTok video. This was a guy putting his opinion on a TikTok video. Yeah, there are a lot of deaths at Stalin's door. Like... But same here. It's just not... We don't talk about it as often. Yeah. And I guess people, like, they like to frame it as, like, Stalin killed 20 million of his own people as if it's worse for him to kill his own people than foreign people. So that's what the American presidents do. They kill foreign people. Yeah. Sort of like how um, they kind of, like, weasel out of... Um, you know, basically saying that the United States military is a group of terrorists. They but they say this, you know, like like political violence against the civilian population, but not sanctioned by the state. So, like that's like their definition of terrorism. Jesus, okay. Like non-state state sanctioned uh, violence against civilians for political reasoning or political reasons, roughly that i probably I, I don't know man i feel like more stuff can be terrorism than that yeah let's see damn like i am like the sea of like, stupid I mean, yeah. the, the sea of stupid that i'm looking at right now scrolling through prager use youtube channel oh no i kind of i, I kind of want to peep that ruben Knowles. Like the whole thing is like 30 minutes long, so we could probably do that on our own time. Oof. Yeah, I'm, that's too long, dude. Yeah. Like, and like, uh, like 1984 talks about like when corporations censor everything rather than when the government sanctions everything, I think. Well, it's unclear in 1984. Not a lot is known about the party. And that's done on purpose. Yeah. There, there is evidence in the book, though, that um, the, the ministries might be extensions of private corporations. But that's kind of nebulous. Yeah. Really, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It, it, it's mostly about government authoritarianism. Yeah. Excuse me. All right. Christ, what what to pick? What to pick? We should watch one on Christ. Oh yes. That that's a that's a good idea. Here we go. Was Jesus a socialist? Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> All right, let me pull it up. I'm gonna screen share. I mean the quick. answer would be like no, because they're like because you lived two thousand years ago, but well, like that. Well, that's the thing. Like Marx didn't invent socialism. Yeah, it. it yeah, I mean, like you could say like he had socialist ideals, maybe. Like I don't know. I mean, the feudal economy as we think about it, what didn't exist in the Roman Empire when Jesus was there. Like, yeah, it, it was more of a market. Yeah. But yeah. Basically, by that token, or like saying like Jesus, like making the, like because they assert that Jesus was a capitalist which no he did not like the free market (laughs) not very much but yeah but watch this this is this is hilarious 
Was Jesus a socialist? Hit the chain. Well, if socialism sure. is nothing more than being kind to other people, then you might think the answer is yes. Because that's what it is. Wait, that's what? part of it. Well, I mean, that's okay. I, I don't really see where he's going with that. That seems kind of dumb. It's nothing more than being kind to other people. Then you might think the answer is yes. But you could be kind to other people and be a capitalist. John D. Rockefeller probably gave away more money than oh, that's the example he uses. He's using John D. Rockefeller what? as an example of a good capitalist. You, this is the guy who like would send strong men to like intimidate other business owners. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like he gave away like ten billion dollars in philanthropy. That makes him a totally good person. Yeah, dude. How much money did he have? <laughs> Bill Gates and Warren Buffett have given away millions too. Okay, they're they're decent people. Like, that doesn't mean they don't exploit their workforce. To get, I mean, an accurate. I don't know. It's the. I mean, the charity, the philanthropy system in America is largely designed to make these capitalists look like they're good charitable people. But like, yeah, it, it doesn't benefit people as much as you know an actual government like rollout of plans would do. Yeah answer to our question, we need to define socialism. Socialism is the concentration of power into the hands of government elites. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> no, it isn't. And that is what's going to set the tone for this entire analysis video of theirs. Oh, it's socialism. Socialism is the concentration of power into the hands of government elites. Why, but like... Purpose. Well, just, the, just very quickly, the concept of a government elite is a very American concept because, you know, the, that's who we have filling our government is we have the wealthy people. We have like the lawyers, judges, educated people, elites in the, but that doesn't need to be the case for a government in itself. Right. If so, yeah. or the concentration of power into the hands of the government, which is it, which it isn't. The, and they the really go far with this point. In like there is one person who said that, you know, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Candace Owens has said this, but she was like legit saying like rich people want socialism. Then why are they trying so hard to make sure it isn't socialist? Why does Jeff Bezos not want his workers to unionize? Yeah, it's well, like, I guess like maybe they're saying he's like, oh, some of these billionaires don't like Donald Trump, like using like, you know, Jeff Bezos as an example. But Don, he's like, like the alternative is not socialism. <laughs> like, yeah. Since well, yeah, and that go and that goes to like how most people say anything left of Reagan or anything left of Trump is pretty much just socialism. Because there's yeah, some because there are some people like in the Democratic side who are more conservative than Reagan who they just try to write off as socialists, i.e. Joe Biden. It's just that's yeah, really stupid. That's it. It's just stupid. Yeah. Oh, what did I want to see what else he said about socialism? Socialism is the concentration of power into the hands of government elites to achieve the following purposes. All right. The planning right. of the economy and the radical redistribution of wealth. Jesus never called for any of that. Nowhere in the new. Hey, because he lived 2000 years ago. Did he did call for redistribution of wealth? Oh, yeah, that's true. He did. He didn't like that people were poor. Yeah, give money to the poor instead of the temple. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich guy to enter heaven. Yeah.
you know, central planning of the economy was not necessarily a concept. Like, yeah, it, yeah, I'll give that one to you. Central centralized economy yeah. wasn't, yeah, wasn't a necessarily a concept that existed so, at this time. He's owned the libs in the sense that Jesus never read Marx. <laughs> does he advocate for the government to punish the rich or even to use tax money to help? Well, if that is the, if Wait, that what is it, the standard. Is, what the fuck? He went by there really fast. Did he, was that to punish the rich? Why is he framing it? But like, I don't know, you framed it as like, you know, he, Jesus wasn't a socialist because he didn't read Marx. And that, so like, I guess if that's what they're trying to say, then... Yeah, I mean, that. like, come on. Like, they're talking about these concepts that wouldn't have meant anything in the Roman Empire. Yeah. I guess, like, Abraham Lincoln was a socialist because I know for a fact he did read Marx. Yeah, he like, corresponded with him. Yeah, you said. Yeah, he corresponded with him. Like, yeah. he even, like, basically quoted him in one of his State of the Union addresses, basically acknowledging that labor creates capital and that, you know, labor, com- labor comes before everything else. That sounds like Marx. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that Marx was, like, not just some dude who sat down and wrote on the back of his rich friend. I mean, he was a scholar, like he wrote a lot of shit. And the, the, yeah. the reason he still studied in colleges, it's not just because like everyone's trying to indoctrinate their students to be communist. It's because he has like actual value as an economist and as like a political philosopher. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing, like if you want to disagree with Marxism, that's all well and good. Like, that's fine. I'll, I'll respect your, your right to disagree with Marx. Mm-hmm. But at least know what the fuck it is. Like, and it's not just like when the government does stuff. His it's description like- of industrial capitalism is a good thing to read alongside Adam Smith because both, like, pretty much agree. It's just that they're writing, you know, hundreds of years apart. So they notice different things. Yeah. All right. Let's try to wealth. not eat so much more Jesus time. never called for yeah, any yeah. of that. Duh. Nowhere in the New Testament does he advocate for the government to punish the rich or even to use tax money to help the poor. Nor does he promote the ideas. He does say, he does call for God to punish the rich. Using tax money to help the poor? Like he never advocated for that? Well, it's all about the government. Again, Jesus never advocated that the government do stuff, so he wasn't socialist. But like, like, you wanted the poor to have more money and he wanted the rich people to give it to them. Like, that's very clear in the Bible. Yeah. So state ownership of businesses or central planning of the economy. Like again, these are just well, so specific. Jesus is confronted by a man who wants him to redistribute wealth. Master, the man says to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replies, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And then he rebukes huh? the man. For it's not the same. What? <laughs> what is he saying? How about Jesus's parable of the talents? Talents were okay. money in Jesus's day. A man entrusted three of his workers with his wealth. The two who invested the money and made a profit were praised. And the one who buried his share so he wouldn't lose any of it was reprimanded. Sounds a lot more like an endorsement for capitalism than socialism, doesn't it? No. Yeah, keeping your money and not investing it is totally socialism. Yeah, dude, that's what socialism. If you make money off money, you know, you're not socialist. Yeah, yeah that's not like that's more of just kind of an endorsement of hard work rather than like a specific um yeah like also, than a specific economic system investment in the roman empire was totally different from like investment like people who invest today like you know they log on to like the stock market or whatever and they like just put stuff in there um 
they, their money makes money for themselves. You would actually like have, you would have to find someone to invest in, in the mm-hmm. empire. I mean, it was a localized market system. It's just like, it's just totally different. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it's that parable is so is much more, I guess, an endorsement of hard work rather than like a specific economic system. It's not like socialism is anti hard work or anything like, or anything like that. Yeah. No, it's different. Oh, sorry. What was, what you I was just saying, really, it's the opposite. And Marx, you know, I mean, socialism, you're supposed to get everything that you put in, all of the labor that you put in, whereas in capitalism, you, you know, the boss takes some of it for profit. Yeah. And at that, and at point, one point, like you can get rich enough to basically just sit on your ass and let your money make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not what these workers did. They didn't just sit around and, and I mean, yeah. Oh, wait. He's, he's responding to the, to the eye of the, camel fitting through the eye of the needle quote oh yeah let's do it spoke of the difficulty for a rich man to enter heaven but not because having money is evil it's not money rather it is the love of money the new testament which is what capitalism what a distinction (laughs) (laughs) that just changes everything dude yeah you have a lot of money but you don't love it you can go into heaven Mm -hmm. so if you have a lot of money and you don't love money like you don't have to have a lot of money you can like what is this argument yeah was warning us not to put acquisition of money and material possessions above our spiritual and moral lives that's literally what so he was a socialist yeah <laughs> was jesus promoting a socialist model when he kicked the money changers out of the temple in jerusalem Again, the answer is no. Yes. Note the location where the incident occurred. It was in the holiest of places, God's house. Jesus was not angry at buying and selling in and of themselves. He was angry that these things happened in a house of prayer. He never drove a money changer from... So is he anti-televangelist now? No, he's... Because I thought... thought He's trying so hard to, like, stick with the socialism as when the government does stuff, and Jesus never advocated the government does stuff. He's really, really, yeah. really trying. Yeah. Also, like, yeah. A bank. Just... Jesus advises us to be of generous spirit, to show kindness, to assist the widow and the orphan. But he clearly means this to be our responsibility, not the government's. Okay. Consider Jesus' uh, Good Christ. Samaritan story. A traveler comes upon a man at the side of a road. The man had been beaten and robbed and left half dead. What did the traveler, the Good Samaritan, do he helps the unfortunate man on the spot with his own resources ask yourself to help the poor would jesus prefer that you give your money freely to the salvation army for example or have it taxed by politicians to fund a welfare bureaucracy oh the second one i'd like to point out that jesus said render unto caesar the things that are caesar's and unto god the things that are god's but that has absolutely nothing to do with high taxes or wealth redistribution. It was the seed for the idea of separating church and state. It certainly wasn't the same as saying Jesus was Jewish. Jesus says his must- what? Jesus was Jewish. The church and the state, they go together under Judaism. He's he's no, a non-argument. How much he demands or what he intends to use. Or at least for. back then, like the uh, right. The idea I mean, of separation yeah. of church and state 
was like a very relatively it's a very relatively new thing and that's one of the things that i get like say like america got right right yeah no jesus saying give to caesar what belongs to him and god will belong that's not separation of church and state that's so there is no evidence that jesus was a socialist and there's lots of evidence that he supported free markets in addition to the parable of the talents jesus offers his (laughs) parable of the workers in the vineyard in it, a landowner hires some laborers to pick grapes. Near the end of the day, he realizes he needs more workers to get the job done. To recruit them, he agrees to pay a full day's wage for just one hour of work. When one of the laborers who had worked an entire day complains, the landowner answers, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Don't I have the right to do what I want? That's literally the workplace hierarchy. Yeah, this is bad. This is a bad example. This is a terrible example. This, <laughs> Like, what the hell? I forgot how bad, like, it's been a while since I've seen this video. It's been almost a year, but it's like, I forgot how bad it was. Shit. I kind of want to see where he goes with this. Like, that's, yeah, don't I, like, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? That's literally the rationalization of Jeff Bezos. Yeah. What is, is Jesus going to come in? Working place, a better working place environment. Or work, what is, work okay. Environment. No, no, what is Jesus going to say to all of this is my question. All right. With my own money? That's a testament to the principles of supply and demand, of private property, and of voluntary contracts, not socialism. Jesus never endorsed the Wait, that's distribution it? of I thought there was more. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe we missed something. Laborers who had worked an entire day complains. The landowner answers, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Don't I have the right to do what I... Okay, so he... I guess maybe he's trying to say that this guy does have the right to do what he want, wants with his own money. But, like, that's a good thing? Or what? I want with my own money. That's I guess in the con- the like good thing in the context of demand, what's going on in the story. I just I want to like Jesus wasn't involved there in that story. We didn't get to hear what he thought. Yeah, it's like that's just what happens. He didn't offer any takeaways. Jesus never endorsed the forced redistribution of wealth. That idea is rooted in envy, something that he and the tenth of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you people who want free health care, you're just envious. And that's a violation of the Ten Commandments. Really? Yeah, right. That Christianity is super anti-envy and Judaism. Yeah. Like Elon Musk, the guy who gets like a multi-billion dollar boost from the government during the pandemic, is like, eh, I don't think another uh, stimulus boost is in, in the best interest of the people, in my opinion. And it's I, like, I'm oh, going to give him a little credit. I think the moral system of Christianity does work to keep people down and to keep people poor. And to or it's keep used, I'll say it's used that way. What it's intended for is still sure. up for debate, I think. Okay. It's used for that. Sure, okay. Against. Most importantly, Jesus cared about helping the less fortunate. He never would have approved anything. that. Un- yeah, helping them, not just saying, pull, your up, pull yourself by your bootstrap. Like, <laughs> that that reminds wealth creation. And the only thing that has ever created wealth and lifted masses of people out of poverty is free market capitalism. Bullshit. Read the New Testament. The plain meaning of the text is loud. But also no one denies that. 
like everyone says, and Marx said himself, yeah, capitalism has produced more wealth than any other system ever, but it still sucks. So we should. Yeah, it produces wealth. Like, that's the thing, you know, no one's arguing that capitalism isn't productive. It's so much like that's the, it's so much about like, it's more like Marxism is a moral critique of capitalism and how it's been inefficient in making sure that the fruits of uh, you know, like the fruits of our labor are distributed, you know, fairly, and that, yeah. and that, yeah, that's essentially what I guess. Like in that area, that that's essentially like what he's Marx using, like summed up as. He's using very careful language. You yeah, that because the argument is not airtight at all. Yeah, it's very. He's weird. not a socialist. He couldn't be. He loved people, not the state. <laughs> Again. What? <laughs> you love people, not the state. Therefore, he wasn't a socialist. I'm Lawrence Rubin, <laughs> president of the Foundation for Economic Education for Prager University. That was, yeah, that was really dumb. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of speechless. I mean, I, I, I mean, you kind of had a lot to say, but it's just- We got about three or four different definitions of socialism and capitalism throughout that video. Yeah. It's uh, shit. First, he made it. He framed it like Jesus wasn't a socialist because you know you know, those such such concepts as like radical wealth redistribution and like all that 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 he didn't endorse any of that because he lived two thousand years ago. But the same stuff for capitalism, like he was much more liberal with that language, even though like <laughs> if you were to make it like just as specific as a socialist terms he used you know it couldn't apply to him either for the same reason just in yeah. it's interesting how he frames this yeah and like on top of that you know if like when people um yeah like uh hold on shit sorry i just got it like a text um when people came up to like jesus and asked them to heal him he did it and didn't ask for anything in return Whereas, like, you know, like in our system currently, that our healthcare system is very solicitous in nature. Like, of course, Jesus didn't like the government. Like, he was a Jew in the Roman Empire, a poor Jew. Like, yeah. Again, socialism is not when the government does stuff. So the argument just falls apart. Yeah. Because, like, that's pretty much like what the entire argument is based on. So, like, when, when you point that out, that is like his whole argument just kind of falls apart. Right. And like the, there's not like a strict dichotomy between supporting the market and supporting the government. Jesus was critical of both of those things. Like yeah. explicitly. And what if like, like it's like the system right now in which pretty much our free markets control the government. They're like, not even like a, like I wouldn't even call it a free market. No, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean the markets control like, I mean, the wealthy people, the corporate owners, the capitalists buy government officials because bribery is legal in this country. I mean, it's, I, the whole system is just really, really fucked up. But yeah. No socialist, no like respectable socialist would advocate that the American government redistribute wealth or like any of these other things because the American government sucks ass. And, like every socialist acknowledges that. Yeah. Including Jesus in his day.
Yeah. So like a lot of, a lot of the concentration of, you know, of like the organizing work that socialists do is mostly like at the workplace right now, you know, because like, this is, the workplace is very important to like a person's everyday life. So, and you know, a lot of these companies are more than able to make like, that's pretty much like how we would redistribute wealth, not through taxes, but through better wages. I'm also just thinking about that story that the guy like kind of weirdly brought up about the, uh, like the employer who employs like two additional people and pays them the same amount for less work. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand how he can afford to do that. Because like on the one hand, he's basically saying it's my money. I choose how to pay you get over it. Like that could be an endorsement of capitalism. But, but if he, if he time, had enough money or if he's going to have enough money just from like two hours of work from these two people to pay them for an entire day. Yeah. Surely he could pay his other workers better. Yeah. The reason why I was thinking that maybe like that parable was initially going against it, against like the employer was because it looked like it was kind of going towards like that dumb thing. It's like communism is where everyone does the same amount of work and everyone gets an A or like does, does different amounts of work, but everyone gets an A. Right. But this story demonstrates that no, it's, it's the opposite. It's, People get unfair pay when it's like up to the employer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it, it kind of shoots itself in the foot. Yeah. And like as mentioned before, once that might know, be why he got off of the story so fast. <laughs> why he didn't yeah. make any conclusions from it. Yeah, like he just like this is a story that Jesus told. All right. What did Jesus what's the lesson that Jesus was trying to tell? Uh, like or teach about it. It's like yeah, it's... he never, he never concludes anything. But yeah, with that note, I think we are, are going to sign off. Everyone who's listening, have a great day. We hope to upload more often. We're going to try to do that. Everyone have a nice day. We'll see you at another time.